0: Hello and welcome to the Vibe of the Tribe podcast from JewishBoston.com. I'm your host, Miriam Anzeman, and I'm here with my co-host, Dan Seligson. Hey, Dan.
1: Hey, Miriam. What's up? So here at Combined Jewish Philanthropies, we have a new team of professionals known as the Community Connectors. They support young adults in the greater Boston area as they, quote, map their Jewish journeys. Community Connectors are building relationships, linking people with one another and with the community. And helping others deepen their Jewish experience.
0: So today on The Vibe of the Tribe, we are welcoming our guests, the Community Connectors, Amanda Friedman, Caleb Alemanni, and Rachel Zilberfink. (music) Amanda, Caleb, Rachel, welcome to The Vibe of the Tribe thank Thank you you. thank
2: you for having us
0: for each of you what are your origin stories what do you find exciting and meaningful about being jewish and why are you passionate about this work as community connectors amanda let's start with you
2: okay hi um i am so glad to be here so um i grew up on long island um, in new york so i grew up in a very jewish community um so i was kind of born into like being a part of the community and knowing it was important to me. I went to uh, Solomon Schechter Day School and got a pretty good formal Jewish education, but I think that everything came to like this passionate head for me when I joined BBYO and I was super involved. I was president of my chapter, I was on the regional board, and that's kind of where I built my own Jewish identity and found the importance of pluralistic Judaism and understanding Judaism from all different perspectives from all over the world. Um, I went to Indiana University, which the statistic is one in every seven students is Jewish. Um, I was uh, very involved at the Hillel um, I was the vice president of outreach because uh, I was a friendly face, I guess, and no one else wanted to do the job. So um, from there, I went into the working world of Judaism right off the bat. I worked for the Union for Reform Judaism in New York, where I learned a lot about uh, summer camps and informal education in that way, which was really great, a really great experience for me because I had never been to like a Jewish summer camp or anything like that, and so it was a new perspective which I'd never seen before. Anyway, from the URJ, I then moved to Chicago. i full first in New York. I met a nice Jewish boy who uh, moved to Chicago and uh, now I get to call him my husband um, and so he moved to Chicago I moved to Chicago um, I worked for the Union or no I worked for uh, the Jewish Federation um, in a teen engagement initiative that was very similar to what we are doing here it was one-on-one relationship building uh, teen at one teen at a time um, I was actually behind the scenes doing data analytics and strategic planning um, and so when we decided to move to Boston I really wanted to come out from behind the scenes. I wanted to kind of lift the curtain and really get out there into the community and so that's why um, I'm here. That's why I want to be in this position and I'm really enjoying just meeting people and impacting their lives in any way I can. So that's my origin story to today.
3: Rachel, how about you? Yeah, thank you. So Amanda and I actually have pretty similar childhoods. I'm from Chicago. Um, not New York, but I grew up in a very Jewish suburb of Chicago. My parents sent me to Jewish day school my whole life, um, from kindergarten all the way to the end of high school. I went to Jewish summer camp. Um, I also was really involved in BBYO. Amanda and I have... A funny shared history that way,
2: and my Rachel is actually a staff member on one of my <laughs> programs. Just
3: had to throw that in there. It's true. <laughs> um, and funny thing for me is that the very first time I went to Israel was when I was 14 years old. I was in eighth grade, and I went through a program um, at the Jewish Federation of Chicago. So from a very young age, I think I really had an appreciation for Jewish federations overall. Um, my mom worked for my Jewish day school. You know, we did Mishloach Manot and a lot of charity work, a lot of different stuff through our Jewish Federation. So um, I think at a young age, I really saw the value in a federation. After high school, I went to the University of Michigan for undergraduate, and I did nothing Jewish. I, I kind of, I was really excited to get out of this bubble that I felt like I'd been in my whole life until that point. Um, so it was a really exciting opportunity for me. Um, after college, I studied Hebrew and Judaic cultural studies, which I think was kind of the funny thing. Is that um, my academics became my outlet for my, you know, Judaism. And after college, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I ended up moving to Madison, Wisconsin, and working for Epic, which is a big healthcare IT company. Um, I was working in hospital billing. It was just as unglamorous and soul-sucking as There's it wandering
1: in every origin story. <laughs> yeah. You should know yep. that.
3: Yeah, A lot of wandering. So I was there for two years. I quit with nothing else lined up because I just kind of had to get out of there. It was, you know, it, I, I had no passion. I was finding zero meaning in my work. And when I quit that job, I kind of had this moment where I said to myself, you know, this is my opportunity to get back to the Jewish world. I was living, you know, Madison, Wisconsin. There isn't a huge Jewish community there. I wasn't. I was fully convinced that I was going to have to leave, you know, move to another city. I was kind of packing my bags, ready to go. Um, but I actually ran into an acquaintance. It was actually a funny story. I ran into an acquaintance at a movie theater. She was leaving her job at the University of Wisconsin Hillel, um, and she said, "You should take my job." And you know, a few things led to another, and I ended up becoming the director of engagement at the University of Wisconsin Hillel. Um I was there for two full academic years. It was an amazing experience. I loved the students. I loved the work I was doing. And I think for me this job it's it, it's kind of a con- I feel like it's a continuation of the work I was doing. Um I loved working with college students, but right now it's even more exciting to be doing that same work with my peers, with people that I can really, you know, form close relationships with and even, you know, have relationships that aren't just based in work. So that's been really, really exciting for me. Um, so we relocated, me and my husband relocated to Boston over the summer. Um, he actually grew up in Brookline, and we were, you know, ready for a life change, and it seemed like a good time. But um, I think my passion for the work really comes from, you know, my job at Hillel and finding out how much I really liked engaging people, and also, you know, like I said, from a young age, I really found a lot of meaning in the Jewish Federation. Awesome.
4: Caleb what's your deal <laughs> and this is where the story differs greatly yeah um so yeah so thank you for for having us here first off um so I grew up in the Berkshires in Massachusetts Western Mass Pittsfield specifically in a uh an interfaith family so mm-hmm. not no Jewish day school you know uh the, the Berkshires in general are not a very highly concentrated Jewish population through for most of the year during the summer it rises a little bit but um yeah, so I grew up with, you know, most of my classmates were not Jewish. Um, it was very, very much like sports focused. And I I went through, you know, Hebrew school a little bit and I had a bar mitzvah, but I didn't really, being Jewish wasn't a huge part of my identity until until I was like 14. I went to camp for the first time. And, you know, my <laughs> my mom asked me eventually to, uh, to go to camp and she was like, because it had such a strong impact on her life as a child growing up. And she was like, listen, if you do this one thing for me, I'll never ask you to do it again if you don't like it. I mean, flash forward to now. Thanks, mom. Right. Um, you know, so so here I am. It had like the most profound impact on my life. And so I went to camp for two years, sleepaway camp. And then after that, um, you know, I was really struggling with like missing camp. And so I decided to get involved in Nifty. Um, and I dove in headfirst. It was like, again another profound Jewish experience on my life um, for the first time I could I you know met other teens that were Jewish and and it was you know being Jewish was part of what made us uh, a connect and it didn't separate me for the first time um, which I found to be really really powerful and impactful uh, and then from there I went to UMass Amherst for undergrad um, studied history uh, and kind of separated myself from Conventional and traditional Jewish life in college. Um, I'd been really involved in, in nifty in high school, and I just kind of like needed needed a break. Um, so the most I say the most Jewish thing I did was join a fraternity. Like I joined the Jewish fraternity at school, so that was that was how I connected. Um, and then post undergrad, I moved to Boston. So this is my second iteration living in Boston. I, I worked at a synagogue doing youth engagement work. Um, did that for two years. It was a wonderful experience. And then after two years, I decided I wanted to go back to school and. Uh, continue my my education in this field. And so I uh, went to George Washington University and got my master's in experiential education and Jewish cultural arts down there. And through that experience, I was able to have several internships in various areas of uh, Jewish nonprofit world. And that was really, really amazing um, to see the different different facets of it. And through coursework, I was able to uh, learn more about um, young adult engagement. And that was really what stuck out to me about that was something that I found really interesting and um, had the the potential to be really meaningful in my life. So, post graduating um, this past May, I was looking for work and found stumbled upon this opportunity on uh, JewishJobs.com, and um, you know the the opportunity to move back to Boston, some that a place that's really near and dear to my heart was just too good to pass up. So you know I, I applied and was fortunate enough to be offered the position and. Very fortunate to have these coworkers and be here for now, what five months, five-ish Getting months, six. almost Scary. six, almost yeah. So it's been it's been a really fun ride. Awesome. So
1: I also have Nifty in my origin story. Oh yeah, and, and I had hair in my okay. origin story yeah. as well. Right on. Just, I want to put that in there. Appreciate but, it. Um, I want to get to that uh, the issue that you talked about how after Nifty, mm-hmm. uh, you kind of like fell off from doing Jewish things. And you know, Boston has a sizable Jewish community, 250,000 mm-hmm. some odd Jews in greater Boston. And a lot of them aren't affiliated in any way. I'm wondering how do you find the young Jewish adults who to date have um, managed to elude us?
2: So uh, for me, I actually think that I stayed very involved in the Jewish community where I was always looking for a synagogue, I was always looking for something Jewish to do, and that makes me very different than any other 25-year-old Jewish young adult, I would say. Um, So I kind of think to myself, what's the opposite of what am I doing? We've talked a lot about being in public spaces and trying to figure out where are young adults specifically Jewish, of course, but like where are they and where can we meet their needs? Um, I mean, the basic, how did we get started? Was we started in our um, our very own social networks? Went on to Facebook, put on the filter of who lives in Boston, started messaging <laughs> away. Um, I think Rachel did a great job, like reaching out to all the grads from Madison who um, moved to Boston. You know. Caleb he lived here so he got he got the wealth of all of those people um but then we got lists we got birthright lists we got a few other that we just sent out mass emails any way that we can try and find people that were involved in college and may have fell off um that's how we we try and use those lists and then you know get creative um I think that's the best part about our job is we get to experiment a little our next uh Great idea, that's my idea, Um, is we're going to be sitting, or me, I'm going to be sitting in a coffee shop with a shirt that says bagels and locks on it and I'm going to try and scope out those who are Jewish. Maybe they'll have a pop socket that has a hamsa on it. They'll, maybe they'll be wearing a Jewish star necklace. I don't know. I'll be creepy and I'll You <laughs> should talk know. to the
1: Lubavitch guys who have the mobile in New yeah. York because they stand on the street and they somehow well, manage to be, find me. Yeah,
4: this is going to be our version of Where's Waldo? Yeah, exactly. So it's going to be kind of like a, a challenge to see if you can find Amanda in the, any coffee shop in Boston.
2: Yeah, No, there was this company called Wear Your Dish that from Indiana, and like it, it, I saw this bagel and locks sweatshirt. I was like, I need this. I need to see it. I need everyone to see this. People shirt will and respond. I hope so. It's a goal. So to answer your question, we're still figuring it out. Like yeah, how to find them. and
4: and for me, I mean, I've this has happened a few times now, which is the only the only reason I bring it up. But I will find myself out at like a social gathering, you know, a party or a bar or something, and I will meet someone and tell them what I do for a living, and then within. 15, 20 minutes, I have, like, four or five young Jewish adults around me, like, asking to get coffee or asking, like, what can I do to get connected? And I think that um, kind of speaks to to a theory that we have that, you know, people want to be connected. People are interested in knowing what's going on, but the people that, that would introduce themselves are uh, young professionals, are grad students, are people who have very limited um, free time, and so they need people like us, to to kind of be the on-ramp for them, to show them what's going on in Boston. They need a catalyst. Exactly. So
1: let's say you have someone, um, take Miriam, for example, our very own Miriam, who really despises socializing by her own admission. How do you connect someone like Miriam to her peers and convince her to attend programming when it frankly involves the presence of other human beings?
0: And I'm not a fan of that.
3: I completely relate as well. I think for me, one of the funny, the funny things about being in this role is that I love sitting at home with my husband and my dog and not moving ah, and just. You said
0: the magic word, it's dog.
2: <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. We just, you know, we like cuddling up. I just, especially in the winter, it's so hard to be motivated to leave right. the house. So I totally understand that. Um, and so I think for me, it's all about like getting into my own head and figuring out what would get me out of the house. Totally. Um, I think the answer for me is always free food Mm. if I'm being honest. Um, But I think for us one thing we do is whenever we reach out to someone you know we're, we're not in the office very often. Our role is very much defined as meeting people where they are um so for us we can reach out to someone and say I want to buy you coffee I want to buy you a bagel I want to buy you lunch I want to buy you whatever you want to eat mm-hmm. um and I'll meet you wherever you want I'll meet you around the corner from your apartment I'll meet you in the you know on the first floor of your where you work you know so I think for us it's not it is intimidating to ask people to you know meet me at this synagogue that you've never been to meet right. me at this large place but for us, we like to start really small. So we say wherever you want to meet me, I'll meet you there. Yeah. And then from that point on, we just we try and build a relationship. So, you know, I'll meet someone for coffee, we'll get to know each other, I'll figure out what they're interested in. And then from there it turns into a really nice kind of relationship. Um so, you know, find out their interests. Oh, you're looking for a Shabbat, which is, to be quite honest, the easiest thing to connect people <laughs> to because in <laughs> Boston they're probably 20 different Shabbat options for young adults on a given Friday night. But but for us, it's really about like starting small, meeting them where and when they want to be met, and then going from there. Well,
0: it sounds like that would be right for me, the least possible amount of effort. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. So I hear what you're saying, and I respect it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So um, I want to take you through kind of an empathy exercise, which we've done here at TJP, which is try to figure out what people want. And a lot of us, and I, I mentioned my own Nefty experience, and I went on a, a long Israel trip basically an entire summer. I always had connections to my synagogue in Lexington. Um, Temple and I kind Isaiah. Of, what's that? Temple Isaiah. Yeah. yeah there we go. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> that's me. Um,
2: that is Caleb's MO. Is like, you can say like one thing he, he can, about Boston. He's Bosnians, a synagogue predictor. He can, he
1: can <laughs> 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 um So, uh, you know, I, I came to CJP um hardwired already into the Jewish community, though I took a long period of time off. Uh, and you all have these backgrounds in, you know, Jewish camp, Jewish schools, some of you, youth groups, synagogues, et cetera, Hillel. Um, how do you kind of step outside of yourselves and figure out uh, what the unconnected really want? So maybe, you know, you mentioned Shabbat dinner, free food, but how, how do you, um, what other ways are you using to predict or anticipate what, what they want?
4: I mean, I don't know if I would say that we predict what they want, but you're not magical. Uh, I am in other ways. thought magical after
1: we talked about origin <laughs> stories. Okay, go right.
4: on. Um, no, so one of the big emphasis of um, the coffee dates, the, f- the initial interactions, is that we take a lot of time to learn about the individual we're meeting with. So we want to know what interests them, and we <laughs> there's not a secret formula. We just ask them what they're what they're ex- what gets them excited, what they're into. Um, both in the the Jewish sense and non-Jewish sense so you know what do you do for fun outside of work Um, and we and there are so many opportunities within Boston that um, connect you know non traditionally non-Jewish things but put within a Jewish lens and a Jewish framework that um, oftentimes there will be you know, uh, a cooking class that that people a lot of people love to cook and will say that, and I say, oh, well, have you thought about going to this you know pickle making workshop? Um, right? Is, is there the, such a thing? Uh, yeah. there totally is. Don't be Yeah. March. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> exactly. Okay, you, you know
1: what? You just found out
2: <laughs> yeah, what we get out of Exactly. There was. Exactly. There was there's it.
4: been food tours. Um, so, like, think of bar crawl, but with Jewish food instead. Um, things like that that go on. That you know, unless you're Unless you're already on the email lists, um, unless you're already attending events you're aren't necessarily going to cr- come across your your purview so um, we just try to talk to people and learn about what they want to do and then try to match it with events and opportunities that that are already going on
2: yeah i think for me um what i try and do how to like step outside myself is i very much make the distinction. When I go to a program, is it for me or am I doing this for my job? Um, We each of us have to do that. Um, You know, I grew up in a conservative synagogue. I would identify myself as like conservative Jewish, but I will go to a reform experience so that i can speak to that experience authentically um, and understand what it's all about and not like give my own judgments but when i'm talking to somebody and they told me they grew up in a reform community they like music and their um, jewish experiences like i can speak to that um, and not judge them Um, i think it's very important when we do go to these experiences we find the joy in it in our jobs and then when we try and do something for ourselves we always I know for myself I think you guys too but you go to the young the professional that's there leading it and you say I'm here for me I'm here for like my own identity or I'm here to network and understand your program Um, and I think you get very different results when you go to a program like that with that mindset. So
0: what's the dynamic like between the three of you how do you support each other as you do
2: this work?
4: We don't get along at we all. We hate each other. It's really much. unfortunate. It's oh, dear. Yeah. yeah. Um,
2: you, know, you know, it's okay because we don't have to see each other. That much it's fun. true. Yeah. <laughs> that
4: part works out fantastic. Um, Do you play
1: Shortest straw to determine who does the worst thing of the week? Uh, yeah. 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 It usually a, ends up being
4: Amanda. Okay. Oh. There's a,
2: okay. For the listeners, we all love each other yes, very much. Yes. Completely they, joking. They tease me all the time. They gang up on me.
4: It's kind of turned wow. into like a very much a family vibe where like... Brothers, sisters. Yeah, absolutely. You
2: can
3: probably tell from our backgrounds and from the way we speak that we all, we have very different personalities. Um, We all organize ourselves differently. We kind of, I think we're all very distinctly different, which is the best possible thing for this role um you know three of us are doing this work we have three different approaches we have three very different social networks three you know i would say amanda and i have similar backgrounds but still three very kind of different both geographic and social backgrounds um So I'd say, you know, when it comes to working together, for example, when we're planning an event or just, you know, strategizing together, we all definitely bring different things to the table. I'll say I'll try and give everyone some props. So I think Amanda is very data driven and she a lot of it is really over mine and Caleb's heads. But I think it's so important to have her, you know, data driven mind at the table because it helps us think differently about everything we're doing. I I consider myself to be very organized. I like working off of a to-do list. And I think, you know, Caleb is I'll say the most kind of social, the most connected. I think he has he has the largest group of friends, I would say, the just the biggest reach. <laughs>
4: I'm, I'm I'm popular. <laughs>
3: yes,
2: you are. Anytime we meet someone, they always just want to meet Caleb.
1: <laughs> do you ever Well, actually, I, I was wondering, do you ever you know if you find a do you
2: like refer to each other
0: um, and be yeah. like
1: i know the person you should
2: talk to. yeah exactly. like for example um i met somebody we'll talk a little bit more about our friends givica event but someone came up to me at the friends givica event and i was talking to him and like i just wish kayla was there in that moment because like he would connect so much more and so this guy reached out to me and and was like can we do dinner or something? And I was busy, luckily, and I was like, no, even if I wasn't busy, like I would still send them to Caleb and, you know, they met and it was a good experience. So, yes, we definitely refer to each other when we can. So.
0: So let's actually talk about that Givica event. This was something that you did around Hanukkah, right? So tell me, how did that get started? What was the idea behind it, and how did it come yeah, about? Yeah,
4: so I'm very happy to talk about it. Um, Givica was kind of the the manifestation of our goals here. Um, I mean, our goal is to build a more cohesive young adult Jewish community and to bring people together, and so that's exactly what we ended up doing. Um, we rented out a space at Aeronaut Brewery, uh thank you again to aeronaut they were fantastic to work with (laughs) humble humble shout out um and we we brought ended up bringing what like 40 some odd people together that we had and so these are all people that we had met with Mm. So, so everyone there was connected to one of us and most people didn't know more than two people there um and so we brought them all together and it helped to have uh i helped have a theme which was because it was the time in between thanksgiving and hanukkah so we decided to do a Friends' um it helped to have things to do we had a uh, gingerbread house making we had dreidel we had pumpkin decorating nobody ended up decorating pumpkins but it was an option um and we had that's we brought more in. halloween it's true it's true it you, but you're right you're not yeah, wrong for
3: next year exactly
4: for next it year it wasn't
3: carving though it was like painting Yeah, but still, it just feels (laughs) like it was. It
4: was was the the wrong vibe. Late, yeah. But I will say. We but had you have a lot to learn of, by doing. It's true. We had a lot of fall decorations, and it was the perfect time to do it because yeah. they were all on sale at Target. Oh, And good so point. we saved okay. a good amount of money on that. You're doing all
1: this nice. without free booze, it's sounding like. No, oh, no, no, no. There was free booze. Well, well, okay. We okay, are right, at right, a brewery. That, that brewery Dan. It was yeah. at a brewery. We <laughs> were at a brewery. Okay. Oh, yeah. right. The aeronaut yeah. part. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. by the way, aeronaut, you make very good beer. Thank you. I didn't want to ignore that. Exactly. Shout out to Aeronaut Beer. Right.
4: So we gave out drink tickets and stuff for people that come. And so that's another thing. It was all free. We supplied the food, we supplied the booze. Uh it was, and it was great. I mean, people stayed, we had like an hour and a half allotted time in our space. People ended up staying for two, two and a half, oh, some wow. people even three hours. Wow. Um, because Do you keep in touch with
1: them though after this? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
4: So this was more of uh, an entryway into, into like connecting to other things um, and to connecting people to each other. So yes, yeah, so that worked out. It worked out really, really well. Um, and we were so happy with it. And we have other ideas for for future things that we're hoping to do, um, which one of my fellow compatriots can talk more about.
0: So, yeah, Rachel, um, what kinds of programming or uh, gatherings
3: are coming up? I don't know how specific I should get. I guess I kind of want to start by saying that this event, it was about 40 people, and we struggled a little bit with how to, I'll say, curate curate the invite list. Um, I think for us, we... Each of us have some kind of network here. And I think at first we were all kind of saying, I just want to invite all my friends in Boston. I want everyone I know to be able to come to this cool event I'm doing for my job. But we then realized that in order for it to be a welcoming space for people that didn't know anyone, we really couldn't do that. So I think we had about 80 people that we invited to the Facebook event, and about 40 came. which for us was an amazing number, and it was actually, I think, a perfect number. I think most people were able to meet most of the other attendees. Um, and so I think going forward, we're trying to figure out how to continue to curate, um, you know, a, gr- in a, a group mm. of people for an event that um, – you know, it's both really welcoming and it's all people that are looking to meet other people, but it's not so overwhelming and not so full of, let's say, our close friends and family who are kind of just there for fun and aren't necessarily looking for anything. Right. Um, so I mean, a couple of things we have in mind. We love the Jewish holiday theme, so we are looking to do a Purim event. I think we're going to be doing a and making event because food People love food. Um, And then we're also hoping to do some kind of a Passover event. We haven't quite nailed that down, but it'll probably be some kind of carbo loading before (laughs) or after the holiday. (laughs) But yeah, we're so I think the main thing for us is, you know, figuring out how to get the right people there.
2: Uh, Something else we did over the holiday, over Hanukkah, which was our first kind of exciting thing for this, Uh, we gave out um, grants for people to host their own Festival of Lights. Um, So we... I would say we gave out grants, but we really played Instacart for people. Depending on what you wanted, uh, there was three options. You could have done um, your DIY plan where you made everything on your own. Uh, the typical millennial plan where we handed everything to you and like catered and everything. And then there was uh, do something crazy. No one wanted to do something <laughs> crazy, but we didn't want to limit the options. So, you know, we would bring people ingredients to make latke or they would, we would give them latke and to. have and the rules were light menorah Take pictures, mm-hmm. pics, or it didn't happen, right? Um, and then send them, send, send it to us, like whatever you did. So then we were able to post it on like our social media. It was really great. We had six people who took us up on the offer. Um, I think the number is like we impacted like seventy people this way, hmm. um, probably a little bit more with like this one random person that ends up having a party, <laughs> um, but didn't go over our budget, which was great. So I think we we're trying to think about more ways that we can impact the community because part of our initiative is to give out grants if people are not seeing what they are looking for in the community. It's kind of like this like last stitch effort I guess to make sure that what they're looking for is reflected. Um, So we're going to do something similar for Passover so uh, be on the lookout and uh, it was a really great opportunity for us to finally uh, give out some money to the community.
1: So representation is very important when you're part of an ethnic minority and how you kind of perceive your heritage and perceive yourself. I'm wondering who are some Jews who you looked up to growing up. I'm going to give you mine, Steven Spielberg, Moisha Tugun-Cohen, who you can find out much more about in podcast episode 56, and my wild card, Courtney Love.
0: Oh, whoa. Did not see that. that I like (laughs) her. That's great. (laughs) Mine was my mom. (laughs) And also. (laughs) And Courtney Love. (laughs) And uh, Judith, beheader of of Holofernes. Those were my two. My mom and Judith. Interesting Interesting combo. I I did not see that Courtney Love. I just wanted to throw Courtney Love in there to confuse all of you. I'm shocked. was you can't take that one.
1: I won't. <laughs> Go ahead.
2: Um, I'll start with um, my grandmas. Um, I love both my nana and my grandma, and uh, also I'll say my nana Sue. I got three. I think that they're just like really strong women. I also love cooking Jewish food, and they taught me so much just growing up. Um, they're all very different, and but bo- all three of them are very strong-willed women, yes. and so I love them. My Jewish hero superhero is Harvey Milk. Um, oh, he, okay. you know, he grew up in Woodmere you know, the town over from Hewlett where I grew up uh, on Long Island. I was very passionate about gay rights ever since I was like 16. I saw the movie Milk with Sean Penn and Fell in love. I don't know why. You know, it just happened. Thank you. I mean, I I think it's a great movie. It's It's one of my favorites. You know, I just I studied him and just like how passionate he was. And like he was still connected to his Judaism. I don't know how, but he still was. Um, And uh, I actually recently finally got to the Castro in San Francisco like this past month. And uh, that was really like a magical experience for me. So I would say my number one Jewish superhero is Harvey Milk. That's awesome. Awesome.
4: That's a really good question. So, like I said, I didn't grow up with uh, too much of a Jewish foundation outside of um, Hebrew school and stuff. On a personal level, I would definitely say my mom was a huge Jewish influence in my life. Yeah, Um, moms. Yeah, moms. I didn't know I was
1: allowed to say my parents, but you know what? I'm sticking with Courtney Love. Fair (laughs) enough. enough. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
4: But so, like, later in life, once I really got uh, interested and involved in, in Jewish thought in history the person that really stands out in my mind is yoni Netanyahu. Mm, um yeah just his story and and there i watched this documentary when i was in high school uh letters from yoni or letter yeah i think that's what it's called and it was just about um the letters that he wrote while he was in the army to his his wife and his family and you know just everything that he represented is yeah. epitomized as being a strong jewish leader to me yeah. and you know, to make that the ultimate sacrifice for for the Jewish people was is something that is uh, has had a profound impact on me personally. And then also I'm I am a huge baseball fan, and uh, so Sandy Koufax is is definitely a uh, a, a role model in my mind. Um, you know, sitting out for Yom Kippur is yeah is huge, uh, especially at the time you know the playoffs or, or getting near there is really big still not upset that the Sox beat the Dodgers this year <laughs> I'll take that any day of the week but yeah I think those two two people were yeah. were huge wow. influences for me
3: my answer is going to be a bit more lighthearted. I think <laughs> um I mean I'm gonna say my mom again yeah. um I think for me my mom she worked in my Jewish day school her whole sorry not her whole life um like my whole life being in the school as well so I think you know I got a Jewish education I was always looking you know having lunch with my mom or seeing her in the hallways, it was really powerful for me, um, that she was so supportive of that. And, you know, I I watch a lot of sitcoms. I comedy plays a huge role in my life. And I think the first thing that came to me when you said that was probably like Adam Sandler. <laughs> um and I don't think and I don't think it's I was totally <laughs> thinking
1: Deborah <laughs> Messing. No. Oh, I, okay. I for sure thought Adam
3: Sandler oh. too.
4: Don't worry. Hmm. Yeah. yeah.
3: And I think for me it's not even necessarily him him as a person. I think, I think, you know, I watch a lot of sitcoms and the thing that still warms my heart every time I watch a TV show is that there's always a Jewish character. They're always talking about Jewish holidays. And I think for me growing up, you know, granted I grew up in a big Jewish community. I never felt like a minority, but now even as an adult with so many of my friends not being Jewish, it's just so cool for me that even on these huge hit TV shows, there's always someone or something Jewish going on. And you know
1: what Adam Sandler did that no one else had done before? Rhymed Hanukkah and Marijuanaka. It's
4: Thank true. God. It's <laughs> true. I think that might have been an even better question. Is who is your favorite Jewish sitcom character? Uh, yeah. No. Mine would easily be Schmidt from from New <laughs> Girl. Uh, oh. That's great. Hilarious. I need to think about that.
2: I would need to think about it for like two That's moments. another.
0: That's a whole other <laughs> podcast.
4: Right. Inside. Exactly. You're welcome. <laughs> part,
0: part
2: two is coming, I guess.
4: Right.
0: Right. <laughs> Well, Amanda, Rachel, and Caleb, thank you guys so much for coming in and talking to us today and telling us about all the work that you're doing here. And um, Caleb, how can they reach out to all of you?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, thank you so much again for having us. We were so we've been so excited to do this. Our emails, our phone numbers are on CJP on the CJP website. Um, we have our own webpage on on CJP. We have an Instagram. Uh, Amanda, remind me what it is.
2: Community Connectors. B-O-S. Community Connectors (laughs) B-O-S.
4: Yeah. So give us a follow on that and feel free to reach out to us on that. And then, you know, if we have, there's an article about us on Jewish Boston as well. So please give that a look as well. Um, that also I believe has our contact info at the bottom of it. And yeah, I mean, we're around, we go to a lot of different, different events. And if you see us and you heard us talk about this, this opportunity, um, please just come say hi. We're very friendly people. Even
1: though they're famous, they're approachable. <laughs>
4: Absolutely. Um,
2: My dream was always to be on a podcast. So thank it you. It happened. Thank you both. <laughs> bucket list so item. Bucket out. list <laughs> item. Thank you. Dreams have come true. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we will have all
0: this information in the show notes about how to get in touch with the connectors. Um, so listeners, to make sure that you don't miss an episode of Jewish Boston's The Vibe of the Tribe podcast, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and follow at Jewish Boston on social media yeah, thanks, as always, to our editor and mascot Jesse and our composer Ryan.
1: Hey, Miriam, how are you? So today we're at CJP, which is where we work, right here, 126 High Street. Very exciting. Gonna start that whole thing over. What did I do wrong, by you the way? Went,
0: how are you?
1: <laughs> Shut up, Jesse. Don't okay. make fun of me, <clears throat> Jesse. I'm like a three or four take person.